0: You're listening to Design Atlas Season 4. Plastic. It's everywhere in our society. Although on the surface it may seem like a convenient byproduct of modern consumption, the dilemma of managing plastic waste has become more pressing than ever. What becomes of this discarded plastic And how can we, as creative individuals, contribute to addressing this issue?
1: Plastic poses a significant threat to our environment and ecosystems for several reasons. Firstly, its production involves the extraction of fossil fuels contributing to climate change. The disposal of plastic products, especially single-use items like bottles and bags, leads to massive amounts of non-biodegradable waste, filling landfills and causing long-lasting environmental harm. Additionally, plastics break down into microplastics, which are tiny particles that infiltrate soils, water sources, and even the air, posing health risks to both wildlife and humans. As creatives, we have the power to influence change and raise awareness about the harmful impact of plastic on our planet. By leveraging artistic expression, storytelling, and innovative design, we can create campaigns that shed light on the consequences of plastic pollution and inspire sustainable practices. Collaborating with environmental organizations, we as creatives and designers can use our skills to promote eco-friendly alternatives, push for stricter regulations, and encourage responsible consumer behavior.
0: One of the most severely impacted ecosystems is our oceans. Plastic waste, including discarded packaging and abandoned fishing gear, accumulates in vast oceanic garbage patches, posing a direct threat to marine life around the world. Sea creatures often mistake plastic debris for food, leading to ingestion and entanglement, which of course can be fatal. The toxic chemicals released by plastics really further contaminate the water, harming marine ecosystems and disrupting the delicate balance of underwater life.
1: As creatives, we can harness our talents to produce compelling narratives, visuals, and campaigns that emphasize the urgency of addressing plastic pollution in our oceans and advocate for sustainable choices to preserve these vital ecosystems.
2: I want to be part of the story, and and the only way to be part of the story is for people to actually focus on telling it.
0: That's Florent Beauvais, the 39-year-old environmental scientist turned director of creative and documentary productions at an organization known as the Ocean Cleanup.
1: The Ocean Cleanup is a non-profit organization founded by Boyan Slat in 2013 with the mission to develop advanced technologies to rid the world's oceans of plastic pollution. The project focuses on deploying cleanup systems such as floating barriers that use natural ocean currents to concentrate and capture plastic debris. By strategically placing these systems in the ocean where plastic tends to accumulate, the ocean cleanup aims to reduce the amount of plastic waste in the oceans and prevent further environmental harm.
0: The organization's innovative and ambitious approach has garnered global attention and support in the ongoing battle against marine plastic pollution. Florent as a creative is on this mission to do just that.
1: So stay tuned because in this episode, we'll dive into the deep end of the ocean and learn more about Florence's interests in geosciences and the environment and his passion for crafting stories to make positive change in our world.
0: Before the ocean called, Florent Beauvert found solace and joy in his childhood pursuits, immersing himself in a world of Lego and attempting to capture his imagination through drawing.
2: I didn't really become good at drawing by any measurement, but but I I think I always like to focus on something and like to create something.
1: The journey into the realms of creativity took a turn towards visual storytelling during Florence' high school years. Photography became a medium of exploration, not with a definitive career path in mind, but as a natural evolution of his creative inclinations.
2: And I think the real spark for creativity or for what led into a content uh, career was, was uh, what I started experimenting content creation and, and, and videography in the realm of action sports.
0: And so we find Florence skiing in the Swiss Alps. It was here, in the heart of the action sports world, that the spark of creativity ignited into a flame. The desire to document, to tell stories, and to express himself through the lens began to take hold.
2: At that time, I picked up a camera and I was like, "Okay, I wanted, I want to create, you know, stories, and I want to follow what we're doing here in the mountains." And then I really started to pick up, pick up the the camera as a, like, "Okay, this is a, this is a good tool for me to express myself."
0: The path was set. And the lens became Florent Beauvoir's gateway to a world where creativity and storytelling would soon collide with a greater purpose. His journey with the Ocean Cleanup Project.
1: Florence's journey towards becoming an environmental scientist traces back to his formative years in Switzerland. Born and raised with an inherent appreciation for the natural world, Florent's early experiences fostered a deep connection to the environment. This connection motivated him to pursue higher education at the University of Luzern, where he dedicated himself to the study of environmental science. Florent delved into various disciplines encompassed by environmental science gaining a comprehensive understanding of the intricate relationships between ecosystems, human activities, and the broader impact on the planet. His time at the University of Luzern not only equipped him with a theoretical knowledge, but also instilled a sense of responsibility and urgency to address environmental challenges.
2: For me, I'm... uh... I'm more an scientist than a scientist than a creative director in my in my headspace. Uh, I'm I'm really curious about you know when the scientific teams going to go and go something do something they go on a research expedition. I I want to read the entire you know uh, plan they have and understand everything they're they're about to do. And I, I am I'm very curious about the actual subject. You know, like um, creating content around that is is kind of like. Uh, it's kind of a pleasure on top of being involved with that. You know, like, right when I started with the Ocean Cleanup, uh, it was back in September 2016.
0: Florent landed the role, not only in part due to his killer creative skills, but because he had a keen interest and background in the environmental sciences. He vividly remembers the application process to land the position at the Ocean Cleanup.
2: Of course, I was like, I, I sent an application saying like, okay, I'm, I'm your guy for this because I have mechanical engineering background, uh, you know, environmental science background uh, and I'm a self-trained videographer and content producer. They said, okay, we want you flow first, first assignment. We have this uh, this team gonna do, the research team is gonna do uh, what we call the aerial expedition. We're gonna take a, a research airplane, fly uh, 300 meter high above the, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. And we're gonna try to uh, remote sense uh, with, with aerial sensors, uh, how much plastic there is in the ocean. And I was like, and they said like, can you go there and create content with about this? And I was like, yeah, sure.
1: With his job secured at the ocean cleanup, he was immediately confronted with the enormity of the task at hand.
2: So I arrived there. I knew nobody. I arrived in California and it was like, OK, in two days, there's this airplane coming. And uh, and the whole research team was trying to kind of write the protocol of how they were going to uh, run the surveys about uh, kind of counting pieces of plastic and stuff. And, at first I arrived there and they were like, oh, there is the video guy and knowing, you know, there's, he does, he's just going to be in our, you know, uh, in our way. And so the, the research team at first, I kind of had to gain their confidence, their, their trust, you know, like that they were actually going to gain something from me being there. And um, And so the first flight, there was a test flight we did and I was not allowed in the plane because I was not you know, I was not like in the team, the research team, the, the core team. So I was like, OK, I'm going to mount GoPros everywhere so that I record it. And then as the, 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 the relationship between me and the research team started growing, they were like, oh, but wait, you're an environment scientist. Uh, uh, and and at some point in the mission, they were like, they were short of some somebody. They were short of somebody to actually do the research so uh the, the 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 research lead back then was like hey, you you know what you're gonna do this uh, instead of doing your creative scope you know and i was like okay sure you know and so and, and from that point i understood like hey i am part of this team not only to create stories from an external point of view but i have to invest myself and try to like help in whatever way my skill allow me to Um, and, and so it was a really good starting point from, from that point on, I was like always saying like, Hey guys, you know, like, I also understand what you're doing.
1: From the moment he recognized that his contribution extended beyond external storytelling, a new chapter began. Not merely an observer anymore, Florent embraced the notion that his skills could be a vital thread in the fabric of the team's mission. This shift in perspective marked the beginning of a journey where he not only told stories, but actively invested himself to support the cause. Florent found a sense of purpose and unity with the team, fostering a collaborative spirit within the research team at the Ocean Cleanup.
0: In the heart of the Ocean Cleanup project lies a relentless pursuit fueled by a profound sense of purpose. For Florence, waking up each day with an unwavering enthusiasm for the mission, at hand, has become more than a routine. It's a testament to the value of being part of a cause larger than oneself.
1: The Ocean Cleanup It's more than a name, it's a call to action, a mission, and a vision to restore our oceans to a state free from the suffocating grip of plastic pollution. But why this relentless focus on cleaning the vast expanse of our oceans? It's a question that demands an answer rooted in the undeniable evidence of the havoc plastic wreaks on our environment and human health. The Ocean Cleanup operates at the intersection of science and technology, conducting groundbreaking research to understand the depths of the problem. The data generated by marine biologists and environmental scientists serves as a beacon, guiding engineers to develop innovative solutions.
2: It's a scientific and technology organization, right, that we conduct research and, and science to understand the problem uh, on one side. you to know how to best tackle it. So it's an organization that has a big research department with marine biologists, environmental scientists, uh, these kinds of profiles. Just try to answer questions about plastic pollutions that are not answered yet, and that this data can serve you know, the, the engineers to develop the right solutions.
1: The Ocean Cleanup believes in solving the plastic pollution problem through technology. Innovative solutions designed to remove both legacy pollution in the form of garbage patches and to stem the flow of new plastic entering our oceans through rivers around the world. These strategic initiatives form the backbone of the organization's efforts. Why the relentless focus on cleansing the oceans? The answer lies in the vast negative impacts plastic inflicts upon our environment, wildlife, economies, and tourism. Therefore, plastics have a number of negative impacts that justify the effort to try to remove it from even some of the most remote areas of our planet.
2: So we do need people to care about this particular problem we need people to pay attention to this particular problem and then uh, obviously to start caring about it and also uh start trusting our organization to be the right one to tackle it or to tackle part of it um so we want to create you know this this level of care or love for you know uh, this mission and this level of trust for our organization um, and also we want to create a sense of inspiration hope you know in, in, in that that makes that people are actually turning their eyes on, onto our activities so that's kind of more on the emotional side of uh, what emotion we're trying to generate so that people start to support us of course because we're a nonprofit one of the big one is funding is you know uh, uh, attract uh, the, the the funding that's needed to to do this um and then attract the talent so the people that we need to uh, figure out these these problems into the researchers the engineers um, so we want to attract talent we want to attract funding and yeah we want to also, indirectly, we want to raise awareness, inspire people to maybe do something of their own or other participate in other initiatives where they can be more hands-on. Um, but the, the, the primary goal is, is this, really um, make people care about this problem and trust our organization to solve it.
0: Plastic pollution has become a pervasive issue across various regions of our planet. Identifying the precise sources of contamination can be a challenge, but in many instances, urban areas lacking robust systems for responsible plastic disposal play a major role. Consequently, a substantial amount of plastic waste from these cities finds its way into rivers, ultimately entering the oceans. While it's essential to recognize that no single country bears sole responsibility for the current crisis in oceanic plastic pollution, a notable proportion of this issue stems from developing nations that grapple with insufficient resources for effective waste management.
2: I've been more shocked by location like Guatemala, like the Dominican Republic. Uh, I've been to Malaysia, to Indonesia, uh, to the to the place that we were trying to understand where to place technology in priority. And in the, some of those places, I was like, okay, this is there is also a very big systemic problem here. Not not that hopefully we can kind of uh, tackle some of it, but it's uh it's just so um sometimes the scale of the problem is very scary to see yeah. and so you you're in the middle of nature and it's basically you're walking on only trash as far as you can see and so yeah these things kind of like hit you pretty hard because you're like if you love nature i mean everybody loves nature it's not it's not special to me that i like nature or that i like mountains or the ocean or beaches i mean it's devastating to see places that should be just beautiful uh, rainforests that are just like covered in trash, you know. And, um, and, and so that realization happened to me different places, different moments. Um, and I, I think another thing that also hit me hard is when I saw wildlife being directly affected by it and that happened once in Malaysia I was kind of with again I would I was with the scientific team back then they were doing drone surveys to try to uh, map the the plastic pollution in a river and then I was like I saw that there was kind of um a lot of trash coming through a little tributary of of the river and I was kind of, I had a big zoom lens so I was like oh, I want to check what's going on there and I zoomed and then I saw that there was kind of one of these big lizard, uh kind of like crawling, but it was crawling in just pure trash, like nonstop. And I was at first I was like, oh, cool. I get this great shot, you know, like that's my st- stupid creative reaction. OK, I'm going to I'm going to get a great shot of a lizard in, in the trash, you know, and the, and then I put down my camera. I was like, wait, what, what, what were you just taking a photo of? It's like it's so It is. It's just so. This lizard is. Is just living in this environment. Is eating this stuff. It's like, so I don't know. Sometimes, you all of a sudden you start to have empathy for, uh, this lizard and be like, oh no, this is really a terrible situation that, it is in. Um, And I was never expecting to have empathy for a lizard, you know, like that wasn't in my, my plans, but that's really on the river side, really on, on, on land. You see trash comes from not that far away. It's here kind of like you, you see, it's very direct relationship between people misusing and plastic mismanaged, you know, waste.
1: And this is just Florence's perspective from the oncoming plastic pollution and waste that is entering our oceans from the hundreds of rivers around the world. However, once these plastics enter the vast expanse of the ocean, the challenge intensifies significantly. Factors such as water currents, varying depths, and unpredictable sea storms compound the complexity of the situation. The enormity of this task becomes apparent when considering the immense scale required to detect and locate plastics in the ocean, gather them quickly, and subsequently transport the collected waste back to land for recycling.
2: It ends up there, like, okay, we can do something about this. Out there in the ocean, uh, when I went to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, that's that's something that you sail five and a half day to get there, you know, it's five and a half day of nothingness, five and a half day of there's n- nobody, there's not a shop, there's not, a, there's not a source of plastic anywhere nearby. Uh, and then you end up, you start arriving to the kind of the hot spots, um, which, uh, you know, it's not a mountain of trash, it's not an island of trash, nothing like it. If you look naked eye it's just blue ocean you know if you don't pay attention it's it's perfectly fine but then you start to see one piece and one piece and one piece and one piece and it's all all around you you know like so then you're like hey wait but we are like five days away from everything and there's there are all these things around us um and but but still it is still like okay you know it doesn't look that much if you don't start to make calculation of how much it is in this entire environment and i think we re- i really started to realize it was a real problem when basically at the same time that the technology started working when we could actually accumulate it and you know extract it when you see that okay we extract a big pile of trash then you know, okay, this was here. I I couldn't really see it, that it was this pile of trash until it was like dumped on this vessel. The realization of how bad the situation uh, out there in the ocean is really is tied to the fact that we're extracting it. At that moment, you're like, okay, wait, that's a lot of trash. (laughs) And then obviously when we launched our new system that was launched last summer, so I was like, okay, we're we, we gonna have to have the moment that this really starts working. We're gonna want to document this as as, as well as possible. So we have these, these clips. I, I mean, I love, of course, getting this footage of these extraction week after week, you know, it's kind of a repeated thing now. And we're very, I'm very focused in trying to film every extraction. It's really when you put them one after another that you realize how much there is, you know, like it's one extraction okay well that's bad another one so there's a real real value in showing it and in, in showing of course the positive impact that we're having but the positive impact that you're showing is also kind of showing how bad the situation is now that i think this is by far the most impactful project i've been on um i mean i've i've been blessed in participating in other great things before uh, it's funny cause I'm still thinking we're at the very beginning of the impact that we can have at this organization. So I'm like, this is, it always feel like it's just the start.
1: As previously highlighted, plastic pollution often eludes the naked eye when one finds themselves amidst the vastness of the ocean.
0: In the initial stages of the ocean cleanup, the team had to meticulously craft hypotheses, delving into the intricacies of plastic behavior within the ocean. Their efforts were concentrated on gaining a profound understanding of how plastic moves in tandem with ocean currents, a crucial aspect that required meticulous observation and scientific analysis.
2: Okay, how can you it's all floating well first that was kind of an assumption but we you have to make research to really to really confirm that it's all floating at the surface how how far deep do you need to kind of sweep the ocean to actually have a substantial impact because yeah if you if you remove what's at the surface but there's still so much like two meters below you're like and you haven't got that you haven't had any impact it's not about fixing it completely because yeah that would you if you put yourself those objectives then you just don't start anything but it's about how much impact can you have and where can you have the fastest impact and there so obviously floating plastic big debris are you know are a good place to start because if you remove a big debris that's eventually going to become a lot of smaller debris it's it's a better better thing to kind of remove one big crate than try to go after 70 dispersed little things that are already too hard to get so I want to have a positive impact a net positive impact uh, through what I do so I I think definitely I believe that we're having a positive impact and uh, I think that the um, yeah, the premises of this organization, you know, the, the, the vision and it's it's audacious.
1: Since Florence's inception into the project in 2016, his team has experienced substantial growth. Comprising a compact internal creative unit and an extensive network of external organizations and freelancers, the team collaborates seamlessly to handle diverse facets of production. Presently, the team includes a senior producer, a producer, a graphic designer, a copywriter, and Florent himself. This dynamic team is dedicated to creating a significant impact for the organization, raising awareness about a problem that might escape our notice due to its remote location far from the shores.
2: It's about, you know, it's about going big in terms of impact. It's not called, I mean, it's called the largest cleanup in history. I didn't make that line, but i i signed I signed up for that. I signed up for something audacious, for something remarkable. Um, and uh, and so, yes, you have to sometimes dig deep into your own belief system to to be like, okay, we're gonna get to this crazy, crazy idea of of fixing it like massively.
0: Upon the successful collection of plastic and its return to shore, a new challenge emerges, determining how to handle it effectively. Fortunately, the ocean cleanup is equipped with a team of biologists, chemists, and other scientists who specialize in comprehending the nature of this material and finding appropriate disposal methods. However, tackling this issue is unsurprisingly easier said than done
2: this particular plastic very hard to work with uh very expensive to get out so if you make it put it back on the market it's so expensive this particular plastic that you know you need to do something very special with it for people to actually buy it it's been out there for many years for decades you know it's it has uh, contamination by by the environment it it can be uh, it's very various type of plastics as well so you have it's very, uh, it's extensive work to bring back this into a, a new material that can be used, but uh, that again was one of the objectives.
0: Addressing the situation at hand is crucial. But being proactive holds even greater significance. Government agencies wield considerable influence in preventing plastics from entering our environments in the first place. They can explore a range of measures including the promotion of alternative materials to plastics that are more biodegradable and environmentally friendly. Implementing outright bans on specific plastic products is another impactful step that governments can take to stem the influx of plastic into our planet. The power of governmental action lies in shaping policies that prioritize sustainable practices and mitigate the environmental impact of plastic pollution from the outset.
2: It might be that, you know, in five years time, 10 years time, the organization has grown into into a place where we have also uh, what we say a seat at the table to change things how they how they work and this is actually already happening because since since a couple since a year almost we have like a uh, more intent, intense focus on governmental affairs and and trying to okay okay we found something our research team figured out something how do we make sure the results of a study is you know being watched by the right people in the right countries to change it so i think yes ultimately you know um i think boyan says that all the time he says like we want to put ourselves out of business you know that's too and he says he says something he says something funny i think is, he thinks like non- non-profits in general should have this goal to be to put yourself out of business because if you fixed a problem then you have no reason to exist anymore uh, uh but of course uh and right now i think the fastest path to impact feels like removal and kind of interception because because of how much inertia there is to changing a system, a country, a place, a city, waste management, these things kind of have like very long response time uh, for, for change to be effective.
1: Plastics in the ocean are so important to eradicate Due to the impacts it has on humanity and the wildlife, to Florent, it's a story worth fighting for because of the significance it has on our everyday way of life. We mentioned early on in this episode, we can't live a day without plastic. We have grown accustomed to so much plastic in our life. We almost don't stop to consider what happens to that waste and what should we really do about it.
2: I want to be. Part of this story, and, and the only way to be part of the story is for people to actually focus on telling it.
0: So, how, as creatives, can we help with such causes like the ocean cleanup?
2: being at the ocean cleanup i've seen also so many great creatives i've been i've been seeing what happens and so many creatives reach out to me saying like how can i help you i love your mission how can i help how i'm a designer i'm a 3d artist i'm a graphic designer i'm a photographer like i can sense that every creative in this world wants to put their skill into a certain good purpose so uh, I've, and I've been also seeing that a lot of like, new type of creative studio have started, like there's, there's been just studios and, and movements of creatives that are trying to kind of stop working in the advertising industry for stuff that is kind of like not really solving anything. So I think creatives are kind I, I think at least a certain portion of creatives in this world are trying to kind of find their way into working for a project like this.
0: If there's a valuable lesson to learn from Florence's narrative, it's this. Even when faced with seemingly insurmountable challenges that tempt us to surrender, maintaining hope is paramount. The act of storytelling holds profound significance, capturing the attention of all, and if armed with the right creative process, One can influence daily actions by shaping people's choices and behaviors around a central issue. As creatives, we have the power to convey understanding firsthand in a world desperately in need of reduced plastic usage to foster a safer, a cleaner, and a happier, more living environment. It's a call to action, a reminder that through our creative endeavors, we possess the ability to impact positive change and contribute to the collective effort of making our world a better place.
1: more information about florent and the ocean cleanup visit our website designatlaspod.com don't forget to follow our show on instagram or join our slot community all these details and more can be found in our show notes of this episode love what we're doing on design atlas make sure to give us a positive review on your favorite podcast streaming platform we'd really appreciate your support Stay tuned for our next episode, which launches next Thursday featuring Ambika Prakash, a principal and creative director at 82 Degrees Social Impact Branding and Design Studio based in Washington, D.C. You are listening to Design Atlas Season 4.